0: This is the fifth time this year that I've been on, or somebody's been on a retreat that I've been on a retreat. So this is the fifth time this year that there's been talks about the retreat. I know that uh, the retreat uh, with Shiloh in February and the retreat at Deerhaven uh, in uh, November, other people were also sharing their experience. So I'm going to talk now about what my experience was with this retreat. Uh, one of the things that I realized during the retreat was how attached I um, was to the outcome. You know, the uh, Sheila, Shiloh retreat in February was uh, inspiring for me and so I kind of dedicated the year's practice to trying to cultivate as much concentration as possible with my practice and I went into this retreat with sort of the expectation that I would be able to master the experience of the nimitta and uh, it didn't happen. So, I'm going to tell you about the, the, the sequence of events during the retreat, and then I'm going to talk to you about some of the insights that uh, I've had. Um, as usual, I started sitting at four in the morning. I would sit for two hours here where I'm sitting now, and then t- two hours on a recliner. Well, actually I would sit for two hours and I'd eat breakfast and go for a walk and then come back and sit in the recliner for two hours and here in the recliner and eat lunch and then um, um, sit on through until 10 o'clock, alternating to uh, sites. So... there was a kind of built-in interruption in the retreat. Paula and I belong to the University Unitarian Universalist Congregation and they had an overnight camp out for the solstice. The solstice is on the 21st of December but their event was on the night of the 22nd into the Saturday the 23rd. But one of the things that happened going into that Event was I locked up. My sitting practice got really stuck. It was very frustrating. One of the very few times I've really struggled with doubt. Not so much doubt about the the Dharma, but a doubt about whether I was going to find this damn Nimita or not. Right. And um, so I really just kind of froze up. And I uh, decided what I was going to do is we had thought about maybe moving the dog out here for 24 hours. The cat would be okay in the house, but the dog really needed to be fed and walked and attended to so forth. So I was. she was going to move out here, but then I decided, nope, I'm just going to relocate back into the house. And that change of routine... I kind of settled down. I didn't feel so much pressure inside. Um, I did a lot of reading during the retreat too of various um, teachers, authors, Shaila and a few other people who had been trained in the same tradition which is a uh, Burmese Teacher named Paoktay Sayadaw, who uh, has a particular modality for cultivating um, jhanas, and the the trick of it is, you pay attention to the physicality of breathing in and breathing out. Very same. Oh, by the way, part of the setup for the retreat is I made little um, signs, and there's one on the um, whiteboard up here. Two signs. One of them is, May the merits of this practice benefit everyone I meet. And the other one is uh, Diligent, Mindful, Clearly Knowing, which is something that I emphasized during the retreat up at Deerhaven. So I brought that into this retreat. Uh, But the other thing I was reflecting on during their retreat, these various teachers, what are called the five um, um, not not the five powers, but the five uh, factors. They're not awakening factors, although they fold into the awakening factors. Mindfulness, energy, faith, concentration and I think the other one's equanimity but what I realized was that I was putting channeling too much energy into the practice I got very concentrated very concentrated and even while I was in the house rather than out here I was still meditating. very intensively and um, getting very, very concentrated and reminding myself that whether I was able to master the nimitta experience or not, my goal is to cultivate samadhi pasati, to have a very stable focus of attention, which I did until I hit this stalling point Um, but then taking that break kind of refreshed things and then I got into a pattern of sitting on the recliner for four hours at a time so I got even more concentrated um, for the next several days and then the retreat was scheduled to end on the 29th Somewhere around the 26th, 25th or 26th, I, I started to get locked up again. And Paula recommended that I call Shyla, which I did. And talked with her for a little while and tried to sort out what was going on. Uh, but I was, I was not very steady. Um, one of the things that I think is important to understand is that what I was trying to accomplish requires a very, very subtle quality of stability of attention. The intrusion of thoughts dropped away. What took its place was this experience of the flow of energy, but the energy got stuck. It was was just I I don't know how to describe it I'm I'm not quite sure it just felt like there was not any kind of progress in terms of a deeper understanding and that experience of the Nimitta was vague and incomplete and didn't last very long. But what my experience of it was, was there would be this kind of glowing, there's a couple of experiences. One of them, there would be this kind of glowing, fuzzy, white appearance with my eyes closed right in front of my face. And um, other times there would be this little glob of not well-formed light that had kind of a border to it and it would kind of wobble and wobble and wobble and then fade out. Um, The other thing that was difficult about it is in the Pauk tradition, you start out paying attention to the sensation of breathing, but then the instructions are very clear You put your attention away from the sensation of breathing to the mental experience of knowing breathing, which is a very subtle difference, but it's important in this tradition because the nimitta is something that the mind creates. There's nothing sensory about it. Even though, you know, the mind's eye with the eyes closed, you kinda of have this visual experience, but it really isn't a visual phenomenon. It's a, a mental phenomenon that comes about as a result of certain factors. And so in order to make the transition from physicality to mentality, you stop paying attention to the sensation of breathing. And instead, pay attention to the mind's awareness of breathing in and breathing out. And also, in this cultivation, the sensation of breathing becomes very, very subtle. So to, to all you know, appearances, it would seem that a person is not breathing. But there's a very subtle inhalation, exhalation. I would say maybe a teaspoon of air at a time, and the in-breath and the out-breath. And that's sustained for very long periods of time. And I had that experience multiple times. Um, And the mind is very peaceful and There's a, a mental quietude. There's just being. It's, it's, it's uh, nice. I enjoyed it. Um, and um, so as I was going through this process, particularly when I was sitting on the recliner for four hours at a time, I was really going very, very deeply into concentration and realizing that I had been mentally trying too hard. And that's something that's, I think, going to be a challenge for me going forward. Um, You all know me well enough to know that um, I have this kind of Enthusiasm or energy or drivenness, highly motivated kind of personality, and um, I I have to practice allowing the mind to be more peaceful and less goal oriented. And I know enough about some of you all to know that you have encountered that challenge yourself. Um, So, in the context of the retreat, it was a humbling experience. And when I say humbling, in the truly appropriate way, is to realize how much investment I put into reaching this goal. And that's counterproductive. It really is just about the practice. It's not about goals. And what became really clear to me is how important the whole aiming and sustaining process is. I've talked about this so many times. But it's still very important to be able to be very persistent in knowing where the focus of attention is going and maintaining that focus provided that the focus is a beneficial focus. If there's a hindrance, then it's to be disregarded. But when it's beneficial when it's developing more wholesome focus of attention than just go into it. So this this practice of concentration, I read about it and heard about it in talks and so forth, it really is about purifying the mind From drivenness in the context of craving and clinging. And just finding a focus and letting go into that with a kind of soft interest. And additionally, it's like sharpening a tool, the focus of attention. It's called ekagata one pointedness um, it becomes very very precise and when I say precise it can be one little tiny focal point or it could be a broad focal point but it's very precise it's very clear in awareness it's very stable and persistent and and think that that's one of the realizations that I in um, working with after the retreat and it also became clear to me there's a, a term you've heard me use, Nama Rupa but in the, the the reading that I was doing it was called mentality materiality Mentality basically is what the mind creates, your mental experience, your awareness. And materiality is sensation of breathing or sensations in the body or sounds or whatever. And this practice also involves, in terms of the purification and sharpening of attention, is being really clear about Nama Rupa. Nama meaning mentality and Rupa meaning materiality, being very, very clear about that distinction. And the clarity is not abstract, conceptual. It's a direct knowing of condition of the mind Separate from, but related to, whatever sensations are going on. And I think that was an important insight for me. And that has stayed with me after the retreat, is this heightened interest in being clear. It's sort of like, I've used this simile before. It's like there's a radio playing, and that's the mentality. And the kind of chattering that goes on in the mind, the, the defining, the reacting, um, so forth and so on in the mind. And when I would get really concentrated, it wasn't like that radio experience. Sometimes it was completely gone, but sometimes it had faded. It would seem to be at a distance, like in the other room. And that has stayed with me. I'm still sitting twice a day, generally two hours in the morning and an hour at night, except on Wednesday nights and Thursday nights, which is 45 minutes. But that... um, Awareness of the mind is doing its thing, and the rest of the world is what it is sounds in the world, sensations in the body that's just nature being nature, and the mind is doing its thing. Then there really isn't any self in there, um, there's just these two processes. Now, when I say there isn't any self, obviously there's awareness, there's a kind of subjectivity. But it just seems to be clear to me that that, I just have a different understanding or attitude about it now. At the end of the retreat, it was supposed to I had planned on ending it on Friday morning. I was gonna have breakfast and then take my dog for a walk. You know, it officially ended uh, taking the dog for a walk and then go to yoga with Paula, but I had this really powerful sitting Thursday night. And then I just said to myself, I'm done. I'm done. So it ended on the evening of the 28th, not the morning of the 29th. And I, I told Paul, I, wanted to end, I want my life to be normal again. <clears throat> so um, there was some time during that interval in the middle of the retreat, when I wondered if this was going to be my last retreat, if I was never going to do a retreat again, because I had failed. I had failed in my goal. And it just seemed to be futile. But after the retreat ended, I realized, no, it was just another retreat. And when the retreat was really in the groove... I was already anticipating doing another retreat probably at the end of March. Um, like to start the third week in March or something like that and go into the first week, in the first week of April. So another two week retreat here. Um, that still may not happen. But it, what I realized is that rather than being goal oriented, In terms of the retreats, I want to practice just practicing. And a couple of things that really were important for me before and after my little uh, crashes was... What I was doing was important. Concentrating the mind is important. And even those difficulties were important. When I was talking with Shyla, she said, doing a self-retreat is hard. Particularly when she said, how long you, you Is this a 10-day retreat? No, it's a two-week retreat. That's hard. It's hard to do. And... I got more, in a sense, I got more out of the retreat that I did with her up in Georgia, which was a ten day retreat, which had its own little crisis in the middle when I realized that the the battery in my device that would the fob that would unlock my car and start the engine was failing. And it was getting the weather was getting to be freezing. But I what I did was I just went to the nearest town and got a new battery in my fob car fob and went back to practice and had a remarkable experience afterwards. So having having a difficulty in the middle of the retreat, I've done so many of them. They feel awful, and I had a really vivid experience of doubt. But one of the things I I'll paraphrase something that was said in the senate and yet he persisted so I just kept going um, knowing the doubt for what it was I just kept going and so that's what I want to do going forward with my next self retreat is to just try to relax into the process and not be quite so intense in regards to having a goal. If there's a goal, it's to practice aiming and sustaining and staying present. One of the things that I created a little mantra for myself during the retreat, which is on the in breath, silently saying just, and on the out breath, this. Just this. And on the out-breath, just releasing, relaxing, letting go, surrendering, not trying to force anything and try to allow the breath to become really soft and unpressured and peaceful and subtle. And just be really interested in keeping that going. And the other thing that occurred to me, which I realized before, but it's still, it's there with me. You know, the only place where this whole thing about jhana is emphasized so strongly is in Theravada Buddhism. And only in certain um, sects of Theravada Buddhism. There's a whole school uh, that does not emphasize jhana at all. It's the noting technique uh, proposed by Mahasi Sayadaw, which I practiced for several years at the very beginning of my meditation career. You focus the attention on the abdomen, not on the nose. And you just keep noting, change, noting, change, noting, change. Very powerful practice. Millions of people Still do it. But I have this notion and of course it's emphasized. Shaila Catherine is on a mission and I really respect her for, for what she's doing. Um, she wants to maintain the integrity of the, what she learned from the Pāli Sayadal which is at the heart of this particular sect of Theravada Buddhism. Um, but it's not the only way. You know, Zen does not emphasize jhana, and uh, Tibetan Buddhism has some f- emphasis on it, but not very much. Um, but concentration is a core part of this. And so that's what I really want to emphasize. and realize at the same time that having an awareness of impermanence of the changing nature of experience is also important I did some on my body scanning I did probably one body scan every day um, which is more of a About investigating change than it is about stabilizing. The tension is very stable, but it's the aiming and sustaining process is moved from one focal point to another in the body over and over and over again. And the body starts to really start to notice very subtle vibrations all over the body. In fact, that's what my practice was this evening. The 45 minute sit this evening, I was doing body scanning. And the concentration practice that I did on a retreat certainly can't hurt the body scanning. But I also want to make sure I keep my balance and realizing that this the process of awakening isn't just about concentration. It's also about being aware of the transitory nature of subjective experience. To really notice that there really isn't any enduring self to grab onto. So, that's what my thinking is at this point about the retreat. I would be grateful for you all to ask questions. Maybe you need clarification about something. I think that would help me with this review. I haven't really had much chance to well, very few chances to talk about it with anybody since the retreat. So it would be interesting if you all had any questions um, that might help me to do more connecting of the dots for myself. Anybody have any questions or comments? Leslie?
1: Um, Thank you, Peter. This is so... uh, It's just so interesting to hear you talk so... Um, honestly and vulnerably about your experience, and I guess I'm wondering that when you, if you could say more about this, you said you got stuck, can you say more about what that felt like or what was happening when you felt stuck?
0: It felt like I was pushing and pushing and pushing to get more and more concentrated, my breathing pattern got more forceful. It wasn't getting softer. It was getting harder. Uh, and um, I was really preoccupied with where's that damn nimita? Why won't it stick around? And it just, the energy just got. I just felt, I, on one level, I felt kind of worn out. I just couldn't do it anymore. I and mean, that's, that's something I was saying to myself, and that's something I said to Paula when I went into the house on the night of the 21st. I just can't do this anymore. And she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Just, just take a break. She's never been on retreat. She doesn't meditate. But she's been with me a very long time, and she knows how to help me. And she was very, very helpful uh, in, in saying, you know, don't quit, take a break, don't quit. Um, so um, that's what it was like. Subjectively, it just felt like I had used up all the fuel of, of hopefulness and motivation and striving. I was striving way too much.
1: Yeah. And did you, at that point, were you aware that you were clinging to a goal that, and it was causing you to suffer? Were you, were you conscious of that in the moment or was that a reflection that came afterwards?
0: I was conscious of it in the moment. Afterwards, the reflection was, one of the commentaries that I was reading was talking about how to balance the five faculties, they're called, not factors, faculties. Um, that the uh, faculty of energy was way out of balance. There was way too much energy. Yeah. So that had to be softened and less urgency, yeah. less demand for Were things to be a certain okay? way. Huh?
1: Were you sleeping okay? Yeah, yourself? my sleeping was Sleep.
0: my sleeping was actually better than it has been in other retreats.
1: Okay.
0: So yes, I was sleeping okay. And okay. I had lots of well, like I said, I had too much energy, but I could I could sit on the recliner for 4 hours and really be paying attention. It was That's when I was sitting was when I was sitting on the cushion where I am now. When it really got to be, I can't do this anymore. guess got too urgent somehow.
1: Yeah. Surrender, right? Surrender, let it go.
0: Right. But see, that's the thing. What I'm working on in terms of my spiritual development. This, some of these things are very subtle they're right. very subtle phenomena to manage in the mind and this is another thing that shyla said she said you're working with stuff that's really subtle and it's easy to get tangled up and she said that's another reason why it's hard to do a self retreat and oh yeah. by the way I, ha- I, I I signed up for uh, a, a nine month series of meetings every month with Shyla and a bunch of other people via Zoom focusing on cultivating concentration. And so four days into the retreat, I participated in that meeting. And I talked about being four days into the retreat and I talked about what my experience was and everybody was appreciative and supportive and so forth and so on. And one of the things that I said was it became clear to me at that point? I said, "I have to be patient and persistent." And she says, "Yes, those are two very important fact- factors: patience, and persistence." And within thirty hours, I was no longer patient and persistent.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but then it came back again. Actually, yeah. sitting in the house. It got easier. I I didn't feel that pressure. My concentration was really good, um, which was interesting as well. Just the change of environment was was uh, useful. Uh, Sharon. Uh, uh, Sharon. Sharon Wright. Sharon Wright. Sorry. Go ahead Sharon Wright and then Sharon Lambert.
2: We had you and I had a conversation earlier and you mentioned about that class and how you know you felt like oh I've got to do really well because I'm in this class and I have to show everyone how good I'm doing. Could you talk a little bit about what happened with that? And is that creating a self
0: around oh, yeah. In fact that, that self is there's a, a an unwholesome mental factor called conceit. You know, we all conceit means being self-absorbed narcissistic and that's certainly part of it, but in this context conceit means having having a strong identity identity with a particular self, particular expectation of self or a particular identity and that becomes a problem so you know i'm a teacher and i'm going to teach you all how to concentrate your mind so by golly i i need to be successful so that i have something to share with folks that's going to help them move forward so that 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 was the conceit is that clarify for you
2: Yeah, and so at some point you just catch yourself in the middle of that and realize, no, I'm just this is all a fabrication going on.
0: On one level, conceptually, I knew it was a fabrication, but at the same time, it was, yeah, but it's true. (laughs) It's it's I'm stuck. My mind is making stuckness and I'm experiencing it and I don't know my way out of it. And then, of course, the way out of it was to make a change to reflect on what was going awry and try to take some kind of corrective action. And I would take breaks at that time. In a previous conversation with Shyla months ago, she said, yeah, it's important to make sure that you, you know, you can't get into it too intensely. You have to take breaks. So I would go out and walk around the yard and pull weeds. Or at one point I threw uh, my dog's frisbee, played fetch with her a little bit. Um, so those are some things that I did to try to break the the intensity of it. The fixation. That's another part. It's the fixation. It seems like the mind is supposed to be fixation, fixated because the word is absorption. But absorption is not the same as fixation. Fixation is the antithesis of absorption.
1: Yeah.
0: It's the opposite of. It stops. It interferes with absorption. Is that helpful? Clarifying yeah. it, Sharon? Uh-huh. Thank you. It's helpful for me, too. Thank you. Sharon Lambert, you had a question or comment?
2: Yeah, I. Um, that what you're, what you're um, describing is really so um, relatable in all kinds of endeavors for me. Um, meditation or anything, really. Uh, the stuckness is something I run into all the time. And what I want to say about I was thinking relax into it relax into it Um, and sometimes when if I have the presence of mind to um, recognize like you're describing understanding what's going on or or realizing what's going on to be able to um, give my attention to it and relax and feel try to sense the relaxation in my body or sense it in in you know in, in in my being, so to speak, um,
0: in your breathing me, the relaxation yeah. comes from riding the breathing in a very persistent, attentive way that is not striving that's not forcing anything,
2: right, right, yeah, yeah, so sharing this kind of um uh re-re- uh, re- you know, review of your experience uh, is, is beneficial for, for me to hear, to hear it and relate to it in my own experience. And, of course, when you said pulling weeds, <laughs> I mean, just changing what I'm doing. I, I will, um, because I live alone, I mean, that's something that is somewhat of a retreat if I don't go out and do things. Uh, and meet the world, so to speak, um, and just being um, able to uh, notice things that aren't working during the time that I'm trying to accomplish something and kind of go out or go somewhere or do something different, and it has a powerful result if i'm if I'm mindful of it too that's the other part and not get not get distracted in my being out uh and uh, that too so I guess the balance part of it the you know equanimity part of it being not too much this way not too much that way is um always always uh involved in my awareness if I'm focusing on something but thank you for for reviewing for for my benefit and I'm guessing others as well
0: you're welcome other questions or comments Steve go Steve and then Will
3: when you when you speak of striving striving is a thought right it's a desire for an outcome yes but the concentration was not on that. The concentration, then, you, you speak of, that's more of just on the, the detail of the experience of what you're realizing being within the flow of that experience.
0: Yeah, it's an active interest. You know? in riding on the experience, not forcing it,
3: right.
0: being with so it.
3: No, so no no thought, I am in this experience, I am breathing, but rather just experiencing.
0: Yes, there, there's still a residual notion of there being an observer, the I. is still there, but the eye is not trying to force anything. It's simply present and interested in what's going on. But there is a, a, a determination to pay attention. That's the whole, you know, uh, diligent, mindful, clearly knowing. sampa Sampajanya, which I've been emphasizing a lot. It's the core part of the Four Foundations of Mindfulness Discourse. uh, To be really aware of what's going on and to nudge the energy of attention, to not strong arm it, but nudge it away from the hindrances and into the wholesome factors like um, concentration.
3: And and, and you mentioned as as well that as part of your awareness that the, the the process of thinking was still going on but it was as if it was in another room and not affecting not affecting your awareness of just the the flow of experience.
4: Is
0: that but, correct? I'll make a distinction thinking is awareness. What was in the other room was the storyline. So there's an an active, interested, hopefully relaxed awareness, but not less that, that's less and less preoccupied with any kind of internal chatter. And the chatter kind of fades out. So Thanks, th- there, there's that distinction. That thinking doesn't go away. It's just not focusing on chatter or less and less focused on chatter. Will, you have a, a comment or question?
5: Yeah, sorry. Um, so it, it was kind of the same question um, as just, just kind of like the experience of being stuck and i and i can relate to that in practice as well And something i've experimented with and i don't know perhaps you've experimented with this too or kind of curious why you, you you didn't use this or um i i mean my basically in my um experience what i've experimented with is uh just the quality of knowing the feeling of being stuck. And it's almost like a noting, but then like, but but knowing kind of breaking down what being stuck is. And then um, I guess relaxing into it from that, um, if that makes sense, um, That that's helped me. Um, but but I mean like you were so concentrated you 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 were, you were meditating for hours and hours and hours I I, I could imagine it was a different um, thing and it, it also would have been a different practice too right It's a different practice than what you were doing. Um,
0: well, I don't so- know I don't know specifically what practice you're talking about for yourself, but I will say that um, there were times when I was aware that there was a resistance in the mind. But I was able to use body scanning or uh, even sometimes loving-kindness. I would switch to a loving-kindness mantra to kind of change the energy there. Um, but the, the stuckness I'm talking about was really strong and my motivation... And willingness to persist were just, it just wasn't there. It just wasn't there. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a term called self actualization, and I'm a pretty self actualized personality. I can decide to do something and just do it. It's been that way. For a long time in my life but it was shocking to me to get to that point where i was saying to myself i just can't do this there have been a few times in my life when i've had that experience and it's it's shocking for me so that's what was going on but like i said thankfully uh, paula is very supportive and uh, encouraging And um, I've been through it enough to realize, like you were alluding, um, oh yeah, I know what this is. How do I find my way around it? I couldn't find my way around it until I took a break. Like I moved my practice into the house for a day and a half. And my mojo came back. Right? Um, Yeah. So, but then it... It crashed again, but then I talked to Shiloh, and my mojo came back. And see, I know that now. I knew it before, but I also have that realization that, okay, this is what a rough patch is like. And one of the things I was saying to Paula at the end of the retreat, there are great advantages to having a retreat opportunity in my very backyard very convenient, I don't have to travel, I don't have to spend money, etc., etc., etc. The difficulty is that I can quit any time. I've never quit a retreat that was a hundred miles away, or a thousand miles away. Never have. Never would. But I haven't done self-retreats that far away. Um, So, That's one of the reasons why self-retreats are difficult. I I think it does make a difference. Being on a retreat with other people does make a difference in terms of motivation, continuity, overcoming obstacles. You can consult with the teacher. Other people are sitting with you, so forth and so on. So I think that that's, that's a different kind of experience. Is that helpful, Will?
5: Yeah, no, it it, it is. Um, it it sounds like what you were experiencing was just a very intense version of what uh, what what I guess I've experienced, and and um, I think there's probably different ways of you know getting around it. And I think like it just depends on your situation. And in your situation, you just had to kind of get the energy moving and uh, yeah. kind of get and do something different to like change almost like shock yourself back into it or just kind of um it interrupt a little bit what 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 was going on is what it, it kind of seems like um I was just actually I did a just I just did it was two full days it was technically like a three-day retreat over the solstice because I just um I, I had some time off and I figured I might as well and I kind of had a my own self retreat and yeah, it's really tough going on a self retreat and uh, two two or three days. is really hard because like the first two days are the hardest ones.
4: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And
5: then, and then after that, it's like, you know, once you actually have like the peace of mind, it's over and it's like, it kind of, it, it, it was nice that I did it because it kind of carried in through the holidays. But, uh but yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it was one of the important takeaways, which I already knew, but just to share it with you all, Going through that kind of experience is not a failure; it's a part of the process. You know, really understanding how the mind can get off in the weeds, off in the brambles, off in off in the briar patch, you know, um, and somehow or other get get back on track. That is really valuable. It builds confidence. And so I wanted to share that with you all. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why I wanted to be so forthright about my experience. Is that this happens. And Shaila said, yeah, she's been on self-retreats where it was really hard for her. Um, and she had to, uh, uh, she said that she, when she goes on retreats now, she takes knitting with her that's one of her ways for to give herself a break when it because when you're doing a concentration retreat that's all you're doing so putting some novelty into the situation makes a difference it's important um, but finding the balance so that there's continuity and there is a one- pointedness to it but it's 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 not too energized or too slack. There was a couple of times where my mind got really sleepy and dull and that could have been really bad but I just started doing body scanning and that woke my mind up. It put energy back into my mind. But I've been practicing body scan for many years now. If a person doesn't have a lot of practice in it, I could call it the energy to move my attention from one focal point to another. But if the mind is dull, you might find it hard to do body scanning because you just can't do it. The mind won't move. Floth and torpor takes over. So um, I did have a couple of intervals of that, but they weren't very long and they weren't very impactful where my mind just got sleepy. And what I did was I actually... I got up, one of the times I got up and moved. I don't remember if I moved from the cushion to the recliner or from the recliner to the cushion. But I just moved and that novelty I had the energy back. Other questions or comments before we close it up? John?
4: I think it's it's fascinating um, of I've been doing this myself for, for fifty years, and it's the same strength of the ego of the selfing story, deciding to dominate. I mean, it doesn't matter how many years you've done it, and it's it's hilarious to me that that you know you're on a self and retreat and you're 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 like you're back at a beginning point, but it's the strength of the of the. You know, of the battle everybody has when they sit is just how strong is the selfing story the ego to take over and uh, stop this clearness which to me is, I call it no-think I know the transcendentalists call it transcendence the the Buddhists call it jhana, I don't care what word you have for it, the brain does what the brain does 350,000 years ago before your meal you probably were able to be at one with the the universe, or whatever you want to call it, you're not thinking, and that clarity is, I think, why I sit, and I think that's what everybody else is able to touch. Is longer periods of time of this oneness. You know, I think everybody touches it, and it's everybody does it in a unique way. And for Peter to have a, a, a an ego attack like that is amazing because it's. It takes energy to stay clear, and it's just kind of refreshing, you know. He's like the rest of us, and uh, of course, nobody gets out alive. And it's it's just consistently do it, and you will reap benefits. That's all.
0: Yep. Other questions or comments? Yeah, April.
6: Well, it reminds me of you know Joseph Goldstein. One thing I appreciate about him is how transparent he is. And he mentioned a couple one time. He mentioned he was on a three month self retreat up in Massachusetts. And is it your? I don't know if I can say the name right. The one who does all the translations, uh, Analo B, Biku Biku, and not the uh, famous
0: Biku Analo.
6: Yes, was like in a nearby cottage and and joseph goldstein said he was in the middle of his self-retreat and started having comparative thinking and and like oh i bet he's not wasting time the way i'm wasting time and i'm not doing as good a a job as i could be on my self-retreat so i mean yeah it's 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 the you know and then he mentioned another time that he spent two years chasing this feeling of the body of light and then said exactly what you said, that then you end up realizing that that is all the practice. That is all, it's all the practice that you might have these moments that are transcendent and then you have these long periods of time where you're chasing something and then you realize you're chasing something and then you just, you just return again. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: Yep. Just practice. Yeah, there's a Zen saying, Already perfect, more practice is necessary. Oh, I think that uh, this is enough for this evening's discussion. Um, Next week is going to be the beginning of a a series of reviews, discussions, explorations of the uh, Four Noble Truths. So I'm going to talk next week Uh, I think the topic is basically you know why do we do this? Why do we meditate? What's what's the point of it? And I'm going to I think talk about it almost from an evolutionary point. I mean we're evolving as a species and I think that learning how to be mindful and to be kind and compassion is part of the evolution. And out of that, these brilliant, innovative people like the Buddha have developed these systems. So I'm going to talk about that next week, and the, next, the following week I'm going to start to, the, the process of talking about the Four Noble Truths. And that will be developed. I mean, that's the core. The core of all Buddhist traditions matter where you go in the world four noble truths that's that's the core of it everything builds out from that so we're going to start a whole series of explorations of that me and um, my cadre of of, uh, budding dharma teachers so as is our custom let's uh, sit for a, a brief interval Thank you for your practice. I wish you well and I hope that we're all reasonably safe and happy in this new year. Till the next time we have a chance to meet and talk.